does 72 months, that's six years, no interest financing? Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, that's who. Just order by May 31st. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So last evening, went to the Brewers game. Saw a good win, well-played game. They hold on, come home. Turn on Sports Center, kind of sit down watching Sports Center, and I saw the interview with Aaron Rodgers. As I said to Steve a couple moments ago, I, my first thought in watching the interview with Aaron Rodgers with Kenny Mayne and his last night at ESPN was, "Is Rodgers high?" And and I mean, I I just I I, I ask that question because I'm thinking it, it's just he's he's rambling what he's saying makes absolutely no sense a, at all and i'm thinking okay he's supposedly in hawaii i mean i don't know what what have we been doing all day then of course the the other thoughts are i'm thinking you know i i understand if you're a big time athlete it's different but if I was going to be going on national TV, I'd at least comb my hair. I mean, I would at least comb my hair. He he looks like a guy who just kind of like wandered off of of the beach and, you know, rolled a couple, you know, big ones and is now talking through the, you know, haze of smoke. Now, I'm not saying that he was, but if you listen to that commentary, I'm thinking what this guy is saying makes absolutely no sense. Uh, here's a text from Gail. Jeff, oh my goodness, I totally agree with you on the high thing on Aaron Rodgers in the interview last night. It was tough to watch. It was, in fact, bizarre. Yeah, I mean, it's this rambling sort of thing about, well, it's the people that are important, man, and it's the people and, and this, and I, I love the team, and I love the coaches, and I love the fans and all that. And then, of course, everybody's reading into this that, well, he didn't mention management. And if if you parse through the, the rambling, it's it's pretty clear he he feels that the team was going to dump him this year. He threw a wrench in that by playing so well um, last season, and now this is his chance at some sort of payback. So you get the idea that there is an impasse. So I'm I'm watching all this, and I, I was also watching the ESPN sports people just like fawning all over Rogers, and yeah, this is this this big thing, and and, and oh, this guy is so great, and this is going to be devastating for the Packers. I mean, I guess here, here's what I, I say. I, I don't care what the industry is. Nobody is bigger than the organization. Aaron Rodgers is a world-class quarterback. At the same time, he's 37 years old. He will be 38 years old in December. He is at the end of his career. He had an incredible year last year, but it's not like he's going to. If you if you look at, at history, what happens, Tom Brady notwithstanding, what happens is you have the players. There, there's a certain point, a lot of times it's before 37 or 38, where their, their skills kind of atrophy and sort of like they fall off a, a cliff. So maybe that'll happen to Rodgers this year, maybe next year. You know, who knows? But it, it's going to come sooner rather than later. At the same time, 
you know, you, you wonder what kind of shape he's in. He's lost 15 pounds. Um, he, he was saying from some, like, diet he's on and stuff like that. You wonder, you know, what he's been doing to keep himself in shape. Is he in football shape? He clearly has major league issues with the Packers. So even if they roll up a truckload of money and give him a truckload of money to play for, you know, another year or two, the, the question becomes, what what is his mindset? What is his mindset at? Is there a real rift? Does he not want to be there? And at some point in time, if somebody doesn't want to be there, all right, should you really contract notwithstanding? If somebody doesn't want to be there, should you force them to do that? And I guess watching this kind of rambling interview last night and and trying to again, people are parsing sentence after sentence about this. I I am, I am more convinced than ever that it would be in the Packers' interest just to move on. Guy doesn't want to be there, and I'm not saying give him away, but, you know, it's kind of like right now in the housing market. You know, if, if you have a house and you've been considering relocating and you've been thinking about moving and you're not sure, do I want to do it now, do I want to wait another few months, I mean, right now, may be the very top of the market, meaning that, you know, who knows what it's going to look like in three or six months. But if you sell your house right now, you, you're you're going, because of the supply and demand thing, you're going to get a really, really good price for it. Aaron Rodgers, if the Packers are going to move on and trade him, it would seem to me that now is the opportunity. He doesn't want to be there. Will the Packers be a worse team next year without him? Maybe, maybe not. Because the question isn't, are they a worse team without the Aaron Rodgers from last year? But the question is, what kind of Aaron Rodgers are you going to have on the field this year, given all the trouble that he has caused? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, I just, I kind of watched this interview. I did not know what to expect, other than that I came away from that interview not very impressed with Rodgers and thinking yeah, now perhaps more than ever, if the Packers were going to make the decision to move on, this would be the time to do it, assuming they can get a maximum return for him. And my guess is they probably can. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if part of the purpose of the interview yesterday was to suggest or convince the, the general public that Aaron Rodgers has somehow been grossly mistreated by the Green Bay Packer organization, well, most of us should be mistreated to the point that we can afford to not show up and get half a million bucks just for showing up. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I, I admit, I thought the interview with Aaron Rodgers last night was absolutely bizarre from his his appearance and i mean i don't want to get overly hung up on that to the, this rambling sort of of stuff to his um using a word that they had to bleep out i mean you know really and i guess all that's kind of minor stuff but but 
trying to, you know, again, go through the, the rambling comments, you really get this idea of this is somebody who doesn't want to be in Green Bay anymore, who thinks he's more important than the team. And at some point in time, don't you just have to cut your losses? If I'm the Packers, and look, I everybody says, and this is the truth, everybody says, well, that the team's going to be a lot worse off with Aaron Rodgers. Well, we don't know that. The team would be a lot worse off with Aaron Rodgers committed and playing at the level he was last year. But who knows what Aaron Rodgers you're going to get get if he's if he's in Green Bay just kind of playing out the string who knows how he's been preparing himself well he's a great player but keep in mind also he's going to be 38 in December and the truth of the matter is when it comes to professional athletes their butts do not age like fine wine so my point is if he doesn't want to be here I'm not saying give him away, but you know, right now, just like this is a great time to sell your house, you got to figure out another house. I understand that, but just like this is a great time to sell your house, maybe if you're going to sell Aaron Rodgers, if you're going to trade him, you get more value for him now than forever. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's going to um, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, let's see. We are going to test our love. At, test, we're going to have to test out love at some time. Why not now? If Rogers wants to sit, let him. If we can't uh, get, if we get a pay, can't pass offer, you know, trade him. Um, remember, Dallas got really good in the 90s by trading Herschel Walker, the franchise, to Minnesota for a ton of picks. If we don't get good offers, let him sit. Trust me, he will hate hanging out with the smelly surfers for 12 months while his peers are winning playoff games. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, the truth of the matter is he's not going to give up a year of, of his career when you have a limited number of good years left. That That's just, he's not going to do that. My bigger concern is if he comes in uncommitted or not wanting to be there, what sort of player are you going to get? 855-616-1620. Jeff, if Rodgers plays for the pack this year and they miss the playoffs, is it on him or the front office? Well, I guess it just depends on... It just depends on how he plays. Jeff, to me, it feels like the end of a relationship when you're just trying everything to keep the boyfriend from leaving, nothing is truly going to make him happy. I think that's a, a really good, that, that's a, that's a good analogy. And if you want to fault the Packers and say, well, maybe they should have stroked the guy's ego or communicated more with him, I'm already on record as saying they, they have paid him a boatload of money. They have paid him a boatload of money over the years. And, you know, I understand he feels kind of disrespected. And I, I've made the point I, I, to my, my bosses here at WTMJ. Tell you what, make me the highest paid personality in Milwaukee radio. Give me a guaranteed four-year contract. Give me a huge chunk of money up front. And not only will I not be offended if you if you start to bring in the person that's ultimately going to be, replace me, I will be glad to help groom him or her. You know, because because I'm not going to be here forever. Just like Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be here forever. Jeff, I see him playing, and the first time he hit gets hit, is he staying down? Well, that's what you kind of uh, wonder. Jeff, it was a bizarre and underwhelming interview. Um, you know, I, it, it was a, a bizarre was the term I use. Jeff, I would bite the bullet and let him sit. Let's see how good he is at 39 after not playing a year. Well, I, right. I mean, that, that's, that's alternative too. If you can't get a really good offer, but if he doesn't want to be here and you can get a market value offer, whatever market value is, how do you, how do you help the team by letting the, the guy sit? I mean, I guess you save the money. Um, let's see, um, 
Um, Rich in Richfield says, um, that's why you keep him happy. Um, or, uh, uh, okay, um, let's be honest. It starts at the top. I put this on Murphy. I don't think that he's all they've cracked up to be. If he was a good leader, he would have made the right moves or allowed the GM to do that. Well, okay, here, here's the thing for people who want to rip on the Packers with that regard. It's not like the Packers have stunk for the, the last 10 years. So for everybody that complains about how they should have won more Super Bowls, and I, I kind of agree with that, I mean, most most teams, most cities would love to have the record that the Packers have had over the course of the last decade. So uh, obviously the front office is doing something right. Jeff, trade him to Denver or Las Vegas to get a bunch of draft picks. Um Yes. Um, yes, there's no question about it. Um, let's see. There isn't one expert that will tell you without Aaron Rodgers, the pack will be equally or good or better without Aaron Rodgers. In fact, they will tell you that the Packers will be worse for a considerable number of years. Well, y- yes and, and no. Aaron Rodgers, who knows how much longer he is going to play? And who knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to come back and, and play for this year? Like I say, that's what you're thinking. Everybody has this image. Oh, gee, you know, Aaron Rodgers at 31. All right. Well, Aaron Rodgers is in 31. Aaron Rodgers is going to be 38 this year. That is different. He had a wonderful season last year, and I'm not taking anything away from that. Um, Jeff, I think he's entitled to dictate policy to executives, and he's mad they are not giving in. He's had multiple executives fly out west to meet with him, and he thinks he's poorly treated. Maybe he is smoking dope. Well, I don't know about that. Jeff, let Rogers go. Let him find out life like the rest of us, that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Well, I think there is an element of that um, that, that's out there. Um, Hi, Jeff. Um, Cheech and Chong had more coherence than Rogers did last night, and they are more entertaining than he has been lately. That's from Aaron in uh, Andy and Brooke. Um, Andy and Delavan. Um, Jeff, Aaron needs to read the insensible man poem about sticking your hand in the water. Not sure what that means. Jeff, um, enough with all the drama. Well, this is a big issue. Jeff, let Aaron go. He's a cancer for the team. Anybody with his attitude has to go. Let him go somewhere and be a general manager. Well, that's the... That's the deal. Jeff, I just Googled up a picture of him from the interview. How embarrassing. Clean up, man. <laughs> Jeff, I agree. He seemed odd, and his answers didn't mean much. Well, it it's kind of a rambling thing. Jeff, Roger said it's about character. It's about culture. It's about doing things the right way. Are we really going to listen to someone who looked and spoke like Aaron did last night? He looked awful. It was ridiculous. What happened to role models? Again, I, I just thought it was one of the stranger things that I had seen in a long time. And if you knew you were going to be on TV and you knew that this was going to be this watch thing, you would at least think that if you want to send a message to the team or the fans, you could have figured out a way to do it. Yes, I've broken bad on Aaron Rodgers. Yes, I have. And I admit that I'm in the camp of moving on because I just don't think you know what you're going to get if he stays there. And look, I've been I've been in this industry. I've been in the legal profession over my career. And I understand that there comes a point sometimes where no matter how talented somebody is, Sometimes they just become more trouble than they are worth. If they don't think they're being respected properly, they don't think they're being paid enough, sometimes 
people begin to just think that they're bigger than the organization, at which point in time the organization really has no choice but to move on. And just looking at all the stuff that's going on here, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not waiting in on is he back or not. I'm just saying if he doesn't want to be here, you can't expect him to perform at a high level. And maybe it's just time, like you say, with that that bad breakup, maybe it's just time to say, okay, we're going to all move on. And then five or ten years from now, maybe we can all shake hands and be friends again. But but right now, you got to end the drama, don't you? Back with more in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Hey, we're coming up on Memorial Day weekend, and I want to just remind you something I talked about yesterday. The city of Waukesha is bringing Vietnam veterans, the, the moving wall, to the city of Waukesha to Frame Park. It's going to be here starting Thursday, running through the weekend. Um, the moving wall is the half-size replica of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. Um, as, as I've said before, if you've ever had an opportunity to, to see the, the actual wall in, in Washington, D.C., I've been there countless times, and it's always it's always moved me. It's an incredibly emotional experience. And if you haven't had an opportunity to visit the actual wall, that the moving wall is, again, a similar sort of experience. It will be at Frame Park in Waukesha. The um, opening ceremonies are going to be at the Amphitheater in Frame Park, which is in downtown Waukesha. That's at 6 o'clock from 6 to 7 on, on Thursday evening. I'm going to be the MC. But there, there's all sorts of events that are tied around it. If you can make the opening ceremony, that's great. But just if you're out and about on Memorial Day, and I know a number of people do a number of things, and, and you want to have an opportunity and you're in that area, I would encourage you to stop by and see the moving wall. I guarantee you it will be an experience that you do not forget. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The Miracle Lake of Milwaukee is celebrating its 10th anniversary. That means an entire decade of bringing together children of all abilities to play organized baseball. The Miracle Lake believes everyone deserves the chance to play our national pastime, but they can't do it without the support of the community. That's where you come in. To find out how you can support this great local organization, go to WTMJ.com slash CARES or text the word CARES to 855-616-1620. WTMJ CARES, sponsored by Gruber Law Offices. All right. One of the reasons that we are coming out of the pandemic, one of the reasons that the number of reported COVID cases, probably the major reason that the number of reported COVID cases is just dropping lower and lower on an almost daily basis, one of the reasons the number of deaths is decreasing at a dramatic basis is the fact that more and more people are, in fact, getting vaccinated. Now, I understand there's some people who don't want to get vaccinated. That That's okay. They've, they've made their decision. I understand that there's some people who are hesitant. Are, all right. Maybe they need to be talked into it. That's all well and good. But I firmly believe that vaccinations are ultimately the way back to full normal. And don't we all want to be full normal? All right. So the question becomes, now that we've had the low-hanging fruit, now that, um, I mean, for example, 
I, as soon as I was eligible to get vaccinated, I, I got vaccinated. As soon as they opened the guidelines to people in my age group, boom, I, I was in there. And I know that was the case for a lot of people. So that's why you had lines at vaccination clinics and you had people having to make appointments and things like that. Now we are swimming in vaccine. Now anybody who, for all intents and purposes, wants to get vaccinated has no trouble at all finding or would have no trouble at all finding a place where they're vaccinated. But they're they're hesitant or they're making the decision, no, I'm not sure, I'm on the fence. There are some people who are just not going to do it. It doesn't matter what you say, they're not going to do it. There are other people who, well, maybe they're what we would describe as, as persuadable. So that brings us to Wauwatosa. The mayor of Wauwatosa, Denny McBride, he is proposing that the city of Wauwatosa take federal funds that it is receiving from the American Rescue Plan Act. Um, the city got $25 million from that act. It's their, their federal relief package addressing COVID-19. Half of the funds come later this month. The other half come next year. Um, McBride says, look, I, I want... I, I want people to get vaccinated. So he's saying, here's what I would like to do. I would like to have us take the federal COVID relief money that we have, and I would, um, what I would do is I would, now that this is the case, I, I would have us buy gift certificates and give the gift certificates to people in exchange for them being vaccinated. And he said, look, if we just made a $10 or $20 gift certificates, I don't think that would motivate anybody to do this. So let's take the federal money, let's take the taxpayer dollars, and let's let's get gift certificates 50 bucks or 100 bucks, and let's give those as an inducement to get people who are vaccinated. Now, if you've already been vaccinated, my, my sense is you're out of luck. This is for newly new people who have are described as maybe being persuadable. Let's give them federally funded gift certificates. I don't know where the gift certificates would be through. They'd have to, like, again, hash that out. But the basic idea is public money for gift certificates to get people vaccinated. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm all in favor of vaccinations. I think if private businesses want to give incentives to people, hey, come in, prove you're vaccinated. We'll give you a beer or we'll give you a donut or something like that. I have no problem with that at all. But at this stage, the idea of taking COVID relief money, which perhaps should go to businesses that have been devastated as a result of what's going on in the last year, and, and giving taking that and using it to essentially bribe people to what, in my opinion, is do the right thing, I'm sorry, I don't think that's right. 855-616-1620. If you want to get a vaccination, you, you should do it on your own. You should not have to be at least paid with taxpayer money to do that. And if private businesses decide, hey, we want to encourage our employees to get vaccinated, so we're, we're going to give you a day off or, you know, we're going to, you know, give you a, a bonus. I don't have any problem at all if private employers choose to do it. Taking taxpayer money, though, to bribe people to get vaccinated. Sorry, I'm not with it. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. If you're just tuning in, the mayor of Wauwatosa, in an effort to try to encourage people who have not yet been vaccinated to get vaccinated, wants to take a bunch of 
federal COVID relief money and put it towards gift certificates. Um, he figures that if, if the gift certificate is only like 10 or 25 bucks, that won't motivate people. So the amount would probably have to be between 50 and $100. And then if somebody who has not yet been vaccinated goes and gets vaccinated, you give them the taxpayer paid for gift card. Now, if you've already been vaccinated, you're out of luck. (laughs) You're out of luck. I I think there's so many better ways that you can spend taxpayer money that's designed to provide COVID relief, uh, namely, like maybe putting into some of those businesses that have been devastated in Wauwatosa over the last year. Jeff, I think the money should be going towards the businesses that have been struggling in the past year. It absolutely should not go into gift certificates to encourage people to get vaccinated. Sounds like um, California. Um, that's it. Jeff, I usually get the flu shot through work and they give me 25 bucks. You'd have to pay a lot more than that to get the shot. Not really interested in getting an experimental drug when I, it has a 99% survival rate for someone my age. So, I mean, I, I guess the question is, but can, is, is $50 or 100 for people who have made the decision that they don't want to get the vaccine, is a $50 or $100 bribe, is that really enough to change their minds? And again, I, I have no problem. If a business, if my employer, and I've already been vaccinated, but if my employer were to say, look, we believe that this is important for a healthy workplace, so we're going to give everybody you know, a $25 gift card or something if you get vaccinated, that that's fine. That That's the decision that the private employer is making that's different than having the government come in and say we're taking taxpayer dollars to bribe people linda in milwaukee hi linda hello what do you think um i I think this whole government thing is ludicrous we're ready paying people to sit home and not look for a job because they're getting more money the uh, information on the vaccine has been out for a couple of months if somebody truly does not want to get a vaccine and they know the pros and the cons of their decision. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. But to have to bribe people, we're all in it together. We need to take ownership for our country, our city, right. our neighborhood, and do what's right. Right, and, and that's right, and that, and that's. And again, I guess the, my question too, Linda, is even if you go down this route and you decide, okay, taxpayer money to bribe people to get the shot is a good idea, what, what is that amount? I mean, if somebody's dead set on not getting the vaccination because they believe it's got long-term health issues or whatever, I, I and I, would fifty dollars, would a fifty-dollar gift card to somewhere really change their mind? I, I tend to, to doubt it. I mean, maybe you'd get a few people that would sign up, but it, I don't think you should even have to do that. No, you shouldn't. Got it. Thanks for call. It's Appreciate all about it. About ownership and yeah. being in, you know. You're right. No, thanks for call. Bill, in Bill, and o- um, Bill and O'Connor Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Bill. Good afternoon. Um, one question I have: Who better deserves taxpayer money than taxpayers? This state has a history of giving away taxpayer money to businesses, corporations, which is fine. That's all fine and good. Um, I own company. Uh, our families own companies. We don't expect the government to give us handouts. We can kind of do it on our own. But these people who have been misled by the previous administration on COVID, no wonder they're not getting shots. We have to encourage it. And remember, the only way to get a shot is you got to use the gift card. You know what I mean? It's got to, uh, there's some reliability backing up. So you go get a shot. That's one last person, <clears throat> excuse me, that doesn't uh, contract COVID. We had such a split political divide 
coming from our politicians. Oh, I don't have to wear a mask. And okay, so so you, 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 you think this is all Trump's fault. That's what you really want to say, right? Well, do you want to say it isn't? Yeah, yes, I do. Thanks. So. Yeah, I do. I just. All right. I, I guess it's Trump's fault. It's Trump's fault. It's Trump's fault. And that's why people are hesitant to get the vaccine. And that's why we have to take taxpayer money in Wauwatosa and bribe people to get it. it at some point in time, you got to get off the it's Trump's fault bandwagon. I mean, here, here's the bottom line. I, I think that the science has been out there. It has been explained to people. Republicans and Democrats are getting the shot. Um, there are some people who are reluctant to do it, and, and that's that's fine. And I think what you can do and what we should do is encourage people to, look, think about this, talk to your doctor, make that decision. But the idea of taking money that's designed for COVID relief to help people who maybe have lost their jobs during this, to help businesses that have had to close during this, and take it and, and bribe a certain subset of people in order to, what in my opinion is to do the right thing, I, I just don't think that's an appropriate use of taxpayer dollars. And just like when we have the student loan debate, where we say, okay, let's let's forgive up to $50,000 in student loans for people who, who've, um, you know, have these outstanding loans. That, that makes the rest of people who've paid off their student loans your chumps. That, that, that's how it is. We're, we're going to bail out the people that have the outstanding loans, but everybody else that's lived up to their obligations, well, okay, you're chumps. Same sort of thing here. Okay, if you've decided that, yes, it's in the public interest to go out, and I'm not even sure whether the vaccine is good or not, but I'm, I'm convinced it's in the public interest for me to get vaccinated, so I've done it. But now if I just waited a little bit, gee, Wauwatosa is going to give me a $100 gift card. I mean, so is everybody else a chump who's already gone out and decided to get the vaccine? vaccine paul in illinois paul you're in wtmj yeah hi jeff great topic uh because we've seen it in states and other areas but i am totally in agreement with you but i also think that this is creating a very slippery slope because what happens in the future are you going to have to pay somebody to get the booster shot six months or a year from now Oh, sure you know where, where does it end it doesn't does end. end yeah, it, no, it, you're right, Paul. It 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 does it does not end because you know you raise a really interesting point. So let's say that that in, we'll take we'll take Wauwatosa. Wauwatosa decides we're going to do hundred dollar gift certificates. Then six months from now, like you say, they come out and they say, okay, we've decided that everybody who's been vaccinated needs to get the booster shot. Well, anybody in Wauwatosa, why go out and get the booster shot? You know, just just wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. And pretty soon, the mayor will say, okay, you're going to get hundred dollars to get the booster shot. It, it, it is. It, it's, it starts a bizarre sort of pattern. I mean, encourage people to get it. If private industry wants to give people stuff for doing it, that's fine. But taxpayer dollars. I mean, seriously. Thank you. Thanks for the call. No, I appreciate it. And this, and I just don't think you should have to bribe people. And a lot of people reacting. Um, it's not Trump's fault. We should be thanking Trump that we have the vaccines. Again, I just, I just. Uh, you know, I, I understand that there's some people who just can't get over the last few years, and, and that's that's all well and good. But the truth is we, we live in the present now. I mean, I think President Biden should deserve a lot of credit for helping get the rollout and getting the vaccines out there. But w- without Donald Trump and without the let's fast track developing the vaccines, we wouldn't be at this stage. So I actually think they, they both deserve credit to this. But at this point in time, if somebody is hesitant to get the vaccine, it's 
it, it's it's not Trump's fault. It, it's it's on them. And that's an individual choice that those people make. Now, I've said this on the radio before, and whenever I do, I know some people get upset with me. I, I think I think it's a poor choice. I think people should get vaccinated. That's why I always say I got vaccinated, no side effects. And candidly, I kind of have this, this idea that having been vaccinated, having had COVID and had antibodies and been vaccinated, I now kind of feel, quote unquote, bulletproof. I feel comfortable going out without masks. I don't believe there's any significant likelihood that I can get very sick, and I believe there's almost no likelihood that I can pass it on to someone else. So I I feel I am ready to resume a normal life. I encourage people to do that, and I think that's you know the way you have to have it. But I don't think you should have to take taxpayer dollars and bribe people to do it. Jeff, would we have to pay people to wear seatbelts, not smoke, take the stairs, take a bus instead of riding a motorcycle? Absolutely. Yeah, that's um, you know that, that that's exactly it. Where do you draw the line, Jeff? I much prefer the lottery incentive to get people vaccinated. Yeah, they're doing that in Ohio. Um, then everyone vaccinated needs to be eligible, not just the new recipients. Jeff, paying someone to get a vaccine is coercion. Someone who is hesitant for whatever reason should not be paid to do something they aren't comfortable with. If it's so great and so safe, simply present the data. Jeff, it seems we've gotten away from personal responsibility, which is the concept of this country. You can be whatever you want um, if you put in the effort. Jeff, I agree we should not pay money to get people vaccinated. I also strongly agree is because of Trump, because if you look at the counties that voted for Trump, they are the ones not being vaccinated as fast. Um, Well, that's actually not true, because if you look at that there, there is an element in some respects that, yes, some of the Republican counties don't have as many. But also, if you look at some of where the real problems with lack of vaccinations are, it's in urban areas where you have persons of color who, for whatever reason, they're making a decision not to get vaccinated as well. So it's not like it's all Trump supporters that are out there. But, I mean, blaming it on Trump, you, you need to get past that. You, you really you really do. And we need to figure out a way to encourage people the persuadable ones, to get vaccinated. But having the government bribe them, sorry, I don't think that's the right idea. And where do you draw the line? Like I say, if you've already been vaccinated, shouldn't you get your gift certificate as well? Why should it only be for the holdouts? Mayor McBride, back with more in just a minute. The hottest team in baseball is in town as the Brewers look to finish the month of May on a high note. Tune into Mr. Baseball right here on WTMJ for Brewers and Padres from American Family Field this evening at 6, sponsored by Steinhoffel's Memorial Day Sale. I will tell you, it was, a, it was just a great ball game last night. Uh, Brandon Woodruff is the real thing. It's you know it, With the win last night, his record is only 3-2, and two, but I think you can make an argument that he's one of the best couple pitchers in, in Major League Baseball. And he, he should have a lot more wins if the Brewers could hit. But now they're they're back over 500. Last night was a, a very, very well-played game. Got tense in the ninth inning. But um, nevertheless, all's well that ends well. San Diego is a really, really, really good team. And it was a very good game. So if you get a chance to get out to American Family Field over the course of the next couple of days, uh, I, I encourage you to do it and enjoy it. And if you can't, well, you can hear all the action here on WTMJ. 
Bob Euchre and the gang. Coming back in the next hour of the program, if you were listening at 1230, the Parks Department has announced that for the second year in a row, the July 3rd Lakefront Fireworks display is being canceled. Now, they're not saying that it's being canceled because of COVID. They're saying it's because they don't have enough people to put the event on, which raises some questions about what about all the different parks events that are going to be going on or maybe going on at local events on July 4th. Anyways, we're going to discuss the decision to close and to not have the fireworks on the 3rd for the second year in a row. And there's a very provocative piece in the Wall Street Journal which looks at the Black Lives Matter movement, which looks at what's been going on in Minneapolis, which looks at whether or not the defund the police movement is really taking place and what happens as a result of that. I'm going to share a good portion of that with you, and we're going to use that as a launching point for discussion. All that's coming up right after the news. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Couldn't Milwaukee County have done more? The Milwaukee County Parks Department has announced that the July 3rd fireworks show has been canceled. The reason they're giving for the cancellation, by the way, is not, it's not COVID. Um, It's not COVID. It's that... They can't get enough people um, not to, uh, to, to work it. Milwaukee County Parks Executive Director Guy Smith said in a statement, the county does not have the staff and the resources necessary to prepare for the event and clean up afterwards. The department has had difficulty hiring seasonal staff, making it impossible, this is what they say, making it impossible to return the department's services to pre-pandemic levels, According to the statement, there are shortages affecting parks and maintenance, lifeguards, concession and more. Okay, that that's all well and good. And they're using that as an excuse to drop the July 3rd fireworks display that has taken place for um, uh, more than 50 years. If you are relatively new to Milwaukee, July 3rd, historically what happens is, and it goes back to, again, going on 50 years, it, the fireworks were originally put on by the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company. Then for years and years, U.S. Bank put them on. And then what happened is a couple of years ago, um, they were they were in danger because U.S. Bank, which was the principal sponsor, U.S. Bank pulled out. And and I, I get it. They had they. U.S. Bank no longer was based, uh, the headquarters were no longer in Milwaukee, they were in Minneapolis, and they just decided that that they couldn't continue the sponsorship. And so there was a real question a couple years back as to whether the fireworks would be saved. And ultimately what happened is the Brewers, American Family Insurance, and a local businessman and philanthropist named Ted Kellner, and Ted is a, a great guy, and he's a, he's a friend of mine, T&M Partners, they, they all came together to fund the fireworks show. During the break, I, I pulled up, I'm looking at one of the stories that that was written at the time the fireworks were saved. This is a couple years ago. Let me read you a portion of it. Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett and County Executive Chris Abley, then County Executive Chris Abley, joined the partners, these would be the Brewers, American Family Insurance, etc., in announcing the deal at a news conference at Miller Park. That's when it was Miller Park. 
The ant this is the answer to our prayers, said Mayor Barrett. It's wonderful for the community. Mayor Barrett went on, you had people who care about this community, who understand how important the fireworks are for families, he said. This is the place where memories are made, and to have that end would have been something very sad. That's Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett um, a couple years ago. Um, again, they talk about how the, the deal came through. Brewers outfielder Christian Yelich, um, who was uh, introduced as American Family's next brand ambassador, is involved in the deal. He said he remembers watching the fireworks to realize it was a Milwaukee tradition that was in jeopardy of being lost. I just want to say thank you to everybody who made it possible to bring this back. So that's what, what people were saying. You know, a couple years ago when you had these different agencies that and businesses that stepped up to make sure the fireworks went on and i agreed with everything the county has now decided though never mind all that we don't care how important the fireworks are to the community we're we're stretched thin um and and again i understand that they're having trouble getting lifeguards i understand that they're having trouble getting maintenance people but here here's the thing july 3rd the fireworks are essentially a a one-day event um, you, you have maybe people who start camping out, you know, the night of July 2nd. Then you have the July 3rd fireworks. Then you have the cleanup afterwards. Now, I am the first to acknowledge, because I remember there were years and years where Summerfest was going on on the 4th of July, and I had to do my radio show. I was doing, at the time, I was I was probably, I think, doing the morning show. Because, I mean, I can remember driving down Lincoln Memorial Drive and looking you know, at Veterans Park in that area where they shoot off the fireworks, and, and it looked like a bomb had exploded because people are unfortunately slobs. And I recognize that, that people leave all sorts of messes, and I realize that it is a big cleanup effort that is undertaken the, the next day. But still, it's a one-day event. We are not talking about having something where you've got to staff something for a season. And it makes me wonder, if you really wanted to save this, couldn't you have said, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. This is a really, really big deal, especially given the fact that we had to cancel last year because of the pandemic. We want to celebrate the return to normal, and we're going to figure out how to make it work. And maybe that means we've got to pull people from other departments, and it means that we've got to you know, get them down to the lakefront and give them special designations and special assignments, and maybe that means that, okay, we can't cut the greens at Dretzka Park on July 4th because we're going to divert some of those people and we're going to have them come down and help clean up the lakefront. But this idea that, well, sorry, we're, we're just stretched thin, so never mind, I think just turning your back on the fireworks for the second year in a row I think it's a huge loss for the community. And keep in mind, this isn't because of COVID. It says it's because Milwaukee County can't figure out how to get it done, which, candidly, I find hard to believe. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I also believe that if there were other parks directors, people who'd been the director of parks in the past, they would have found a way to get it done. And again, maybe it's the temporary reassignment of people, but you're talking about a couple-day span. The setup 
and then the immediate cleanup, you're not talking about, hey, we've got to run this whole thing through the summer. And for those of you who are fireworks fans, I think this is a huge loss to the community. And again, I'll go back to what you know Tom Barrett said a couple of years ago when American families stepped up with the brewers and saved the fireworks. This It is a very, very big deal for the community. And I don't think you should cancel it simply because, well, well gee, we're stretched a little thin. 855-616-1620, that's the Accurate Mortgage talk and text line will you miss the fireworks this year and and maybe if this was such a problem maybe this is something that instead of waiting until the end of may to bring this up maybe this was something that should have been made public like say 60 or 90 days ago hey we're having staffing issues you know are 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 public are there groups out in the community who are willing to step up and, and help us provide volunteers to to clean up after the fireworks or to help set them up why wait until this time when you're essentially, what, six weeks away from the fireworks to say, well, we can't get it done? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Seems to me this is a classic example of poor management, an inability to plan ahead, and at least an unwillingness to try to think outside the box to make a very, very significant local event occur. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. All right, some of the texts we're getting are kind of making the point I was making. If if there was if there was a shortage of of help because you're having trouble finding lifeguards or whatever. What, why didn't why didn't Milwaukee County tell us about this a couple months ago um, and maybe say, hey, look, the fireworks are in, in jeopardy. Maybe you could have gotten community groups that would have volunteered. For example, here's a text, Jeff. As a leader at my local mosque, we are always looking for community service opportunities. We already adopted a highway and do cleanup there. If there was a call for volunteers, I am confident that our mosque and other community organizations would be glad to provide volunteers in droves. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Jeff, our local county fair has had an abundance of groups offering to volunteer to make sure our county fair happens. Couldn't be prouder of our community. I think that many people feel entitled and don't help their community. That's the real problem. Well, you also, though, you, you have to you have to be asked. So, I mean, if this was really going to be an issue, gee, we're having trouble finding people to do the seasonal work. We're, put this out there two weeks, two months ago. Get some community groups that are maybe willing to come forward and say, okay, we're willing to show up on July 4th, and we're helping in the morning of July 4th, and we're willing to help do the, the cleanups on those things. Also, to me, it's just a question of, of staffing. Maybe that means you have to say, look, all right, we, we've got a shortfall of people. So here, here's the deal. You know, your normal assignment, like I say, you're you're at Curry Park and and you're you're you know working in the maintenance department at Curry Park. Well, all right, here's it for two days leading up to the fireworks. Sorry, we're pulling half of you guys or gals off, and you're going to be down at the lakefront helping set up for this major community event. It, it's just what businesses do, even in a time of short staffing, you, you figure out how to kind of work around things. My sense is they just didn't feel like doing it this year. Jeff, here's an idea. Now that Summerfest is being held in August, I think they should be able to get the volunteers from the House of Correction that Summerfest utilized every morning for cleanup. Um, that's, that's another interesting point, if you don't know what the texture is referring to. Summerfest. 
And and Summerfest, after it closes down at the lakefront, it's like a little city. And it's really interesting being there. And I there, there's been times, like I say, when I used to do like our, our morning show, I'd get down there at like 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning to get set to, to come on at 8.30. And, and you'd see, what you would see is Summerfest hires a lot of people um, to go just for that limited period of time that Summerfest is and work the grounds and do cleanup stuff. But they also, they have people who are under supervision in the orange jumpsuits who come over from the House of Correction and, and they, they do cleanup work as well and they get some incentives for that. I mean, there, there's all sorts of things that you could do if you were trying to be, you know, creative. Did we see any advertisements that the county put on saying, hey, you know, we're, we're looking, even if it's only looking to hire temporary people for a, a, a limited period of time uh, around the 3rd of July for the fireworks. Did you see any, were there public service announcements that I missed? Were there advertisements for that that I missed? Um, no, there there weren't. Jeff, I've lived on the east side for over 40 years. I'm so glad that for the second year in a row, we don't have to deal with clouds, noise, and garbage. Uh, well, okay, I understand there's people who don't like the fireworks. And if the argument is going to be, we want to cancel the July 3rd fireworks because there's it's too much it's too much trouble. It's too much hassle. There's too, it's too popular. There's too many people. All right. Well, then you can make the argument. But to simply say we're going to cancel the fireworks because we're stretched thin with our staffing. I mean, you know, really, Jeff, they need tax money to pay the unemployment because nobody wants to work. Jeff, do you think one of the reasons might be that they don't have enough police or security to control a crowd like that? No, I, I mean, I, I don't think so. It's always been a, a generally well-behaved crowd. Um, Jeff, I don't think Milwaukee County is being truthful about the problem. It's a lack of planning and funding. The lack of funding is exacerbated by the lack of early planning. They assumed we wouldn't be able to have the fireworks because of the pandemic and now are caught, quote, with their pants down with no practical recovery. Well, if that's the case, th- then come out. And, and say it. Now, it's interesting that the same day, Milwaukee County is announcing that they cannot, they can't stage the July 3rd fireworks because of staffing. Irish Fest, Irish Fest, which is going to be held like a month later, just rolled out and enlisted all the different, you know, entertainers that they're going to be having, you know, their full schedule that's there. So, you know, our organizers at Irish Fest can do it. But apparently, you know, they can't. Jeff, it's clear the county wasn't expecting the CDC to relax their guidelines and weren't planning on having the July 3rd show for a while now. Maybe that is the case. If that's the case, then that's what they should do. They should come out and say that. If that, just just tell people the truth. If the truth was, we didn't think we could have a large group get together, and so we had just kind of decided to blow this off months ago. Well, first of all, they should have announced that decision months ago. But secondly, you shouldn't be out there saying now that the reason behind it isn't because of, like, the COVID thing. It's because, you know, we, we can't get enough people together to do the cleanup or the maintenance or the setup or whatever, which I find to be extremely difficult um, to believe. Uh, again, it's just, if, if that's the case, tell people the tell people the truth, um, and you're going to be able to get the volunteers. Let's talk to James on the south side. Hi, James. How you doing there, Jeff? Good. I think this is going to be the same thing as what happened, the circus parade and a variety of other events that Milwaukee had at one time, and, and they... 
and they just let, uh, it's going to be gone. It's run, run its course and everything else, and they decided, well, this is a better t- this is the best time to say it's cancel again, and it's not coming back. Well, you wonder. I mean, thanks to call. They say, well, we think it's going to be back. Thanks to the call, James. We think it's going to be back in in two years, next year. But you know, after these things, you know, people people are creatures of habit, and people find other things that they end up doing. So now it's been two years. Um, next year, you know, who's going to be in charge of doing the fundraising? Where is the money going to come from? Yeah, I, I think you raise a really interesting point, and you have to ask the question: Is 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 this really? Is this the end of the 3rd of July fireworks? Now, I understand there's some people who live on the east side who, who won't care about that, but it, w- it was a big deal. And I can remember, particularly as a kid growing up around here, I can remember, you know, going down to the lakefront and you'd reserve your space and you'd put out your blankets. Attending the fireworks was a really, really, really big deal. I understand why they ended up canceling it last year because everything got canceled this year. I'm not sure that they're I'm not sure that they are being candid about why this cannot happen. If it's that they don't have the money, then say it's they don't have the money. If it's because they were caught, as one of our texters said, with their pants down, because they just figured that, well, we're not going to be able to have large gatherings and now that the rules have changed, they're they're unprepared, well then say, okay, we're we're unprepared. But we can't get staffing. Well, what about asking for volunteers? You know, what what about reassigning people? I just don't buy the staffing excuse. And it's a darn shame that a Milwaukee institution for the second year in a row is not going to occur. And I do wonder, what's the next shoe to drop? Is it going to be, is this going to be the second year in a row that we're not going to have fireworks at local parks as well? Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I'm going to do something I, I rarely do. I, I want to read a full piece, or most of a piece, that appears in today's Wall Street Journal. And, and then we're going to use that as the launching point for a conversation. This this week marks the one-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. There, there's all sorts of memorials and discussions about, you know, what, what's going on in the, the last year. And th- this this article raises some interesting questions. And again, a lot of our focus is about, well, you know, police brutality and misconduct. And of course, in the George Floyd case, the officer responsible for his death has now been convicted and will be sent to prison. And there'll be other trials a little bit later on. And it seems like every time there's a situation where there is a police shooting or a police incident involving a person of color, that leads to the large scale protests and the calls to defund the police and all. Well, here's a different perspective on it. Again, the piece is written by somebody named Heather McDonald, um, who is a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. And this the piece appears in today's Wall Street Journal. I'll put up a link to it in a little bit. But it's called It's Open Season in Minneapolis. Now, it's a little long, but bear with me. Al Sharpton and civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump led a march in downtown Minneapolis Sunday in advance of the first anniversary of George Floyd's death on May 25th. Former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin was convicted of Floyd's murder last month. Mr. Sharpton and Crump didn't visit North Memorial Health Hospital, where two recent victims of a year-long explosion of violence in Minneapolis are on life support. On April 30th, Latavani Garrett Jr., 10, was riding in a car with his parents when a gunman opened fire. A bullet pierced his head. Doctors put him in a medically induced coma and removed part of his skull to relieve swelling on the brain. 
On May 15th, nine-year-old Trinity Otteson Smith was jumping on a trampoline at a friend's house when bullets fired from a passing car struck her in the head. She is also in critical condition at North Memorial in the room next to Ladovani's. Nineteen children in Minneapolis have been shot this year, an increase of 171% over the same period in 2020. Their relatives wonder where the protesters are. Why ain't nobody mad about a 10-year-old, my grandson, fighting for his life, asked Cherie Jennings, Ladovani's grandmother, at a May 17th mayoral event. Because a cop didn't shoot him is why. Ms. Jennings warned of a deadly summer for kids if the mayor and police chief didn't step up. Later that day, Alia Allen, six, was caught in a shootout between rival gangs while in her mother's car. She died on May 19th. Minneapolis homicides between January 5th and last week were up 108% compared with the same period in 2020. Shootings were up 153%, carjackings up 20, 222%. And, and by the way, as we've talked about before, th- those numbers aren't unique to, Milwaukee, to Minneapolis. In Milwaukee, you can have similar sort of numbers, and we've discussed that. The piece continues. The crime increase began after Floyd's death and has never let up, nor has the assault on law enforcement that began with the arson destruction of the 3rd Precinct Building in May, on May 28, 2020. Officers are routinely punched, kicked, and hit with projectiles. There was a near riot in downtown Minneapolis in the early hours of May 22nd following a shootout among club patrons. Two people were killed in the shootout and eight were wounded. Responding officers called for backup across the Twin Cities at what the department called an exceptionally chaotic scene. The previous weekend, officers were maced and pelted with rocks and debris while trying to disperse disorderly crowds. After Floyd's death, the Minneapolis City Council called for abolishing the police department and replacing it with a, quote, new transformative model for cultivating safety, end quote. Abolition didn't happen, but some folks in the community got the message anyways that they have a sort of open season on their enemies, said Alicia Smith, the executive director of the Kokorian Neighborhood Organization. Attrition is accomplishing the same goal as defunding. At least 200 officers have resigned or gone on leave since May 2020, leaving the Minneapolis Police Department understaffed by nearly a third. Officers' morale and mission were destroyed by the failure to defend the 3rd Precinct and prevent the torching and looting of businesses during the May 2020 riots, newly retired Lieutenant Kim Voss wrote in an op-ed. The area around what is now called George Floyd Square is still burned out and desolate, isolated within a civilian-enforced police-free zone. I'm afraid I'm frustrated. I'm mentally ill right now, a local barbershop owner told the Star Tribune in March. A city council member told the paper she hears from senior citizens who sleep in the bathtub to avoid being shot at night and whose bus routes for picking up medications and groceries have been disrupted by the autonomous zone. The Floyd family has planned pledged 500000 of its $27 million wrongful death settlement from the city to black business owners at George Floyd Square. That won't compensate the barbershop owner, barbecue shop owner and his neighbors if um, uh, shoppers still have to dodge bullets and employees still keep getting carjacked. As lawless as Minneapolis has become, 
it is hardly atypical. Drive-by shootings and homicides jumped nationwide during and after the Floyd riots. Homicides rose 50% in Chicago in 2020, 46% in New York City, and 38% in Los Angeles. The U.S. saw the largest annual percentage increase in homicides in recorded history in 2020. That increase has continued in 2021. The number of shooting victims in Chicago was up 43% in the first three months of 2021 compared with the same period in 2020. And again, the the numbers in Milwaukee, while not identical, are similar. Through May 16th, the number of shooting victims in New York City is up 78.6% over a year ago. In the Bronx, the number is up 165.7%. Of the at least 100 homicide victims in Minneapolis since May 25th, 2020, only one was killed by a cop. The victim was a suspected gun runner who had tried to run over officers before shooting at them through his car window, causing them to return fire. There is little evidence that the Minneapolis Police Department systematically violates black civil rights, but the Attorney General has opened a civil rights investigation into the department anyways. If history is any guide, the resulting consent decree will cause crime to increase in the city as officers back off further from proactive policing. The victims of that additional crime increase will, as always, be disproportionately black. At least three quarters of Minneapolis's homicide and shooting victims are black, though the city is less than a fifth black. Mr. Sharpton and Crump have no answers to that dilemma, so they ignore it. While police need to train relentlessly in de-escalation and sound tactics, they are not the problem in minority communities. The criminals are. The criminals are. As long as the police are demonized and scapegoated, law-abiding residences of high-crime neighborhoods will continue to live in fear and wonder why no one protests when their loved ones are murdered by gangs with guns. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll I'll post that, but that's the piece in the Wall Street Journal. And I I think it, it kind of brings home what has been an ongoing frustration of mine over the course of the last year. There is no question that police can do better. And when you have examples like the, the police situation in the George Floyd case, you, you need you need to have prosecutions. There's no doubt about it. In this case, the justice system worked. And I would be the last one to say that police are, are perfect. And there will be examples where you have police misconduct or errors in judgment or whatever. But but let's understand that that's, that's not what the real problem is. The problem is, as this article says, it is the criminals. And the criminals over the last year in urban areas have, for whatever reasons, become more emboldened. There's more shootings. There's more homicides. There's more carjackings. There's more crimes of violence. There's more car thefts. And at the same time, you know, we, we focus on, hey, you know, let, let's throw rocks at the police or we don't think this individual's officer's response was appropriate. And maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. But are we missing the big picture, which is we have an exploding, exploding problem of crime in urban areas, whether it's Minneapolis or whether it's Milwaukee or whether it's New York or whether it's Chicago. Read the Chicago papers for a few days and you want to really talk about, if you think crime is bad in the city of Milwaukee, read what's going on in Chicago. It's just, it's a horror show on a nightly basis. But we we focus, we're, we're going to march, oh, this was a police example and we think this person was mistreated. And, and that may very well be the case. But don't we as a community 
don't we need to be more outraged at the daily violence that is going on and plaguing the communities? And shouldn't that be really where the protests are, are, are targeted? Taking back the community, not from the police, but rather from the bad guys. Your thoughts, 855-616-1620. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There's this one quotation in the piece I read about the the grandmother of the uh, teenager who was uh, the ten year old who was you know shot and is now on on life support. Who's saying, um, well, why? Where? Why is nobody mad? Where are the protesters? Why isn't no? Isn't anybody mad about my ten-year-old, my grandson, fighting for his life? Well, the reason is because a cop didn't shoot him. That, that's why. You know, it's and again in Minneapolis, you've got a hundred shootings in the last year. Hundred, hundred murders, hundred shootings. One involved a police officer, and that was against a gun runner who was trying to kill them. And yet we talk about the police. And don't get me wrong. I understand we, we we have to do a better job. The police have to do a better job with community outreach, with the community outreach and things of the like. And if there's bad cops, you got to get those bad cops off the force. But let's look at the big picture that's going on. And the big picture is cities are awash in violent crime that is essentially making them unlivable and we're talking about well let's defund the, the the police and let's pick out that example where there's police misconduct and let's ignore the other 99 murders that are going on on a, over the course of the last year lamar in orlando lamar you're on wtmj hey jeff Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call sure. so of course I, I could go on and on about this conversation but um, I, I understand the sentiment. I, I totally get the sentiment. And violence is a problem. But the people that are charged to deal with the violence, the police aren't trusted. How do you, how do you, it, okay, so there was a, there was a, there, there was a um, story that, that the Journal Sentinel did about the, it was a, 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 sh- a shooting that had happened in the neighborhood. And the guy while he was in behind bars was literally threatening people and put a hit out on another guy. Mm-hmm who had a gun, who was afraid to come forward to the police. He had the gun to protect himself because he was a witness to, you know, to a violent crime. At the, at the bottom line is there's no trust that the police are going to protect you in these communities because they just don't trust the police. So you can protest the violence all day long and you'll give the police all the funds that you need. But if there's no trust because they're going to need the community to assist them to deal with this, how do you how do you address the problem? Well, I guess from l- l- let me look at it from the other perspective. If if I live in a community that is essentially under siege, where there there's murders going on and there's assaults and there's car thefts, and I, at some point in time, don't citizens don't citizens have an obligation, trust or not, to to rather than railing at the one example of police misconduct out of like 200 situations shouldn't they be upset and protesting about the other 199 things that are making their their making them prisoners in their home making them prisoners in their home and i'll give you some examples like like maybe maybe showing up when when you have when you have some gangster who's been responsible for the shooting of a 10-year-old, maybe you have 100 members of that community who show up at his first appearance in the courtroom to kind of let the, send a signal that, hey, we're watching this case. Um, maybe it's forming like home watch groups. Maybe it's protesting outside drug houses, um, which, which destroy the character of the neighborhood. I mean, isn't stuff like that in the big picture 
in the big picture, if you're trying to deal with crime, more productive than, hey, you know, we, we have an example of police misconduct here. We're, we're going. Shouldn't you be at least a, a, as upset about the 10 year old getting murdered by the gangsters as you are about the isolated example of police misconduct? But people are upset about those things, Jeff. And some of that stuff that you're suggesting ain't safe. It's not safe to go out in front of the drug dealer's house and, pro, you know, because you'll get killed. It's not safe to go to the, you know, make your face shown in the courtroom because you'll get killed again. Um, so what, so what you're saying is that since the cops, what you're saying is since the cops are an easy target, even though that's just a small part of the overall problem, you, you protest the, the small problem and you ignore what the larger problem is? I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying that the cops are the easier target. I'm not, or rather I'm not saying that that's you know people should just protest the police. I'm just simply saying until you deal with that that issue that you're you're not going to solve the other one. So okay, we stop protesting the police. We we give the police more funds, but there's no trust. I mean, if if I can't feel that the police are going to protect me, you know how do how do I improve my neighborhood when violence does happen? How do I come forth to speak up if the criminals that are in collusion with the other criminals? are going to get me when if I don't trust the police to protect me. Well, I think it's kind of like this. What is that? The dog the chi- the tail? The, or the chicken and the egg. I, I mean, I, but I guess I, the, the bottom, the thing is, you, I think people have to get over that. <laughs> you know, I, I think that, that that's the, to, to me, that that's the, that's an easy, that's an easy thing. Oh, I don't trust the police. So I'm just going to turn a blind eye to all this violence that's going on a- around me. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I, that's that's the sort of defeatist and accepting attitude that I guess if that's really the case, Lamar, I, I find it to be depressing. I mean, no, I mean, I was giving you ideas. I mean, if if you've got a mass, you've got a group of people, you know, you've got a large number of people in the neighborhood. If you, you get a couple hundred people, let's let's go protest outside that drug house. We're sick of this. You know, the, the people in this house that are selling crack cocaine or heroin or whatever and are destroying our neighborhood, here, we're, we're going to protest around it. We're going to bring public attention to it. We're going to do everything we can to get the, the TV cameras and to get the newspapers and to get the radio reporters, and we're going we're gonna to single out the people who do this, and we're going to put pressure on the DA's offices to do that. Or alternatively, you know, we, we know that there's that there's the, these problem bars or there's these gangbangers that are operating or, you know, the, the kid just gets shot, so we're going to have 100 members of our community group, we're going to show up in court and we're going to alert the media and we want people to know we're going to use the same the, the same sort of public attention we're going to bring we're going to bring that issue to attention we're going to show up this kid just stole his 15th car we're showing up in that courtroom and, and we're going to hold the judge accountable and we're going to publicize this incident and we're going to use this collective presence that we have to try to bring pressure on the judges on the district attorneys on the politicians to do something real to address it and again i'm i, I understand I understand the, the protests about the police, but the big picture is look at the overall crime rate. It's getting a lot worse, and maybe some systematic outrage about that would go a long way. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. But before we move on from the conversation in the last half hour, I want to share a text that came in over the break that kind of, I think, puts an exclamation point on what we were discussing. Here's the text. Jeff, I am a minority male. 
I am Puerto Rican, and I will comment on my own ethnicity. We need to clean up the mess in our own backyard. We need to be responsible and point fingers at each other. Police are not the problem. The community is the problem. The people who fend these criminals are the problem. Using ethnicity as a scapegoat is a problem. We as a community need to take a long look at ourselves. And I... I guess I, I read that and I think, yeah, I mean, nobody is saying that if you have an example of police misconduct, people should not be outraged and people should not be calling attention to it. But but the reality is, if you have an example of police misconduct, OK, that's going to be one. And then you're going to have 99 other examples of, of crime that is going on in a community. And you focus on, well, we had this one example of police misconduct, but we're, we're just we're just going to kind of shrug our shoulders and say, well, we're we're not going to be outraged about these shootings and all this other stuff. And we're not going to show up in court. We're not going to call attention to this. And we're not going to protest outside the the drug dealers houses. And we're not going to try to put pressure on the courts to send the gang bangers and the gangsters to prison well there's only so much the police can do and one of the things that you're starting to see in minneapolis is for all the people who are all about to fund the police even though that's a crazy idea it's starting to happen like the article i read said but kind of by attrition because you have a number of police officers you're just saying to heck with this i mean what why when we're out there doing our job and we're trying to make an arrest and we're trying to keep the community safe, we got people throwing rocks and screaming at us and trying to bait us. You know, who, who needs it? So you have officers that are just deciding, all right, we're, we're, we're either not going to be proactive in policing or, or we're just, we're, we're going to give it up. And, you know, we're seeing how that is working right now in urban areas. And the truth is it's not working very well at all, period. All right, let us completely and totally switch gears. We were talking earlier about, you know, vaccinations and how you can inspire people to get vaccinated. The mayor of of Wauwatosa wants to take public money and pay people, which I think is absurd. But one of the areas where there's still the opportunity to dramatically increase the number of vaccinations is with kids. The story today is that Moderna, and there there are three major, for people who haven't been following the bidding, there are three major vaccines that are out there. One is Pfizer, which is a shot, and then three weeks later, another shot. That's the one I got. Second one is Moderna, which is a shot, and then four weeks later, another shot. And the third is the, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is one dose. It's been a little bit more controversial. All right, so Moderna. Moderna, here's what they say. They say their COVID-19 vaccine was effective in children aged 12 to 17. The Cambridge, Massachusetts company, this is Wall Street Journal today, said the vaccine induced immune responses among children that were comparable to those that were seen in a study of adults last year. Also, there were no cases of symptomatic COVID-19 among vaccine recipients, Moderna said, suggesting 100% vaccine efficacy in adolescents. Now, 100% is a tough claim to make, but Moderna is saying, hey, we've got these studies out there, and what we're seeing is that for kids aged 12 to 17, the results and the effectiveness are essentially the same as we've been reported previously for adults. So the bottom line is they're saying this vaccine is confirmed to be effective and it's confirmed to be safe 
for people 12 and older. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is one of the areas where if if you're still looking for the opportunity to greatly increase the number of people who've been vaccinated, it, it's in it's in the teenage age range. It's it's that twelve to seventeen. So, knowing that now Moderna claims that their vaccines are safe and they are effective, if it was your kid, or if it is your kid, or your grandchild. Would you support having your child vaccinated? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. And, you know, we we don't know long-term effects. That's true. But short-term, we know that the vaccines, by and large, work uh, with adults. And now they're saying that they also work among kids. So will you? would you allow, would you encourage, would you have your 12 to 17-year-old vaccinated? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will say this. Among the, the, the people I know who have children or grandchildren who are in that age range, the, the majority of people I know are making the decision to have their kids vaccinated. And I think they feel comfortable with that. Are you comfortable? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. See, the way it works right now is the, the only vaccine that has been approved for use in that 12 to 17 age group is the Pfizer um, vaccine. Well, Moderna is saying ours is just as effective and, and these are the test results. And it appears that the, the FDA is probably going to approve Moderna as well in the next couple weeks, whatever their timetable is. But, of course, that doesn't make any difference if people aren't going to be willing to get their kids vaccinated, and that's what we're discussing. Let's see. Um, uh, Jeff, I think there's been reports of heart inflation in kids after getting a vaccine. I don't believe it's worth the risk. Jeff, this is from Chris. I'm fully vaccinated. We have two 13-year-old girls, and my wife and I have talked about getting them the vaccination this summer before the start of school. I'm open to them getting it, even though I had some side effects to the shot, but I really think it is the only back to normal, even though I admit that I have some hesitation. Heather says, um, there are reports of myocarditis, that's the, the, heart infl- the heart inflation, associated with young people getting the new vaccine. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but will wait for more research. Any child that may die due to unforeseen complications of getting the vaccine would be a tragedy. And I appreciate what Heather is saying, but... That, that's always that, that's always the the risk that you that you end up running. I mean, it's kind of like you know you say, okay, well, you know, I, I'm going to get the measles vaccine. And by the way, I hope people do get the measles vaccine. You know, we almost eradicated that, and now it's starting to make a little bit of a comeback. You 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 always kind of do that sort of balancing act that's out there. Um, Jeff, I'm taking my three grandkids, age 13, 14, and 15, for their vaccinations for their first vaccination on third. They have a four-day weekend to recover if any of them get sick. Jeff, absolutely not. I would not inject my child with an experimental vaccine for a virus that they have almost no, that they have almost zero risk. And by, by that, I guess the all zero risk, they mean zero risk of dying as opposed to zero risk of getting it and being sick. I mean, I guess the, 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 the problem with that is you, you can say about a lot of diseases that there's very, very little chance that if you get the disease that, that you're going to die. I mean, most people, for example, who get the measles 
recover from it. The measles is not, for most situations, it's it's not a fatal situation. It's not fatal. But nevertheless, don't we vaccinate kids for for measles so you don't get it because you don't want it even if it's not going to kill you. Jeff, no way, no how, why would you give a child an emergency use only vaccine? Well, and that, that's, I know some people are kind of hanging up on that. Well, they say it's only for an emergency use, so why would you do it? That in, in, in the context of emergency use, what they're saying is that even though that's the technical classification, that the government is saying that they believe that it is safe for everyday use. Jeff, my 14-year-old got her first Pfizer Pfizer vaccination last week, and I don't think there's any complications. Um, Jeff, my... uh, my 14-year-old got her first thing last week. Uh, Jeff, um, let's see. For both myself and my children, I am waiting for an FDA approval. Okay, Jeff, more than 40,000 people have died from the vaccination. Why isn't the media reporting this, including you guys? Because I'm not, I guess more than 4,000 people have died from the vaccination. I guess because I haven't heard any reliable information suggesting that 4,000 people have died as a result of the vaccination. Jeff, for healthy kids, it makes no sense to have them vaccinated for something that's no more severe than the common cold in kids. Um, Well, there is that attitude that's out there. Um, Jeff, so have we learned how long these vaccinations last yet? These vaccines? No, and and we don't know that. I I guess this is always going to be the balancing act, and it's the argument that's made that I know people who've decided that they're not going to get adults who aren't going to get the vaccinations. It's the argument that these adults have made. They say, look, for the vast majority of people, if you get COVID, you're going to recover. Jeff, you're an example of that. Got COVID last November, had a little bit of a fever, no long-term consequences. It wasn't bad for me. And for most people, it's not bad. But for some people, it is. For some people, you know, you still have folks who are the long haulers, the folks that even if COVID didn't kill them, their recovery, they still don't have their sense of taste back. They still don't have their sense of smell back. So my argument would be you don't want to get it, even though the odds say that you are going to recover from it. So I, I repeat, if if it were my kids or my grandkids, First of all, I do what I always do in these cases. I go to the doctor. I go to my doctor. If you don't trust your doctor, well, you should find another doctor. And I say, Doc, what do you think about this? You know the vaccine history of myself. You know the vaccine history of my child. You know the vaccine history of my grandchild or whatever. What What do you think? What do you recommend? And assuming the doc says, no, I think this is the best way to go, I, I think I would be inclined to do it. Now, it might be that you have individual kids that have particular sensibilities and sensitivities, and in those cases, maybe you move to a plan B. I don't know how many people are going to actually make the choice to allow their 12- to 17-year-olds to get vaccinated. Like I say, the majority of people I know who have kids or grandkids in that age range have, have made the decision to have them get vaccinated. So far, haven't heard of any adverse results. I'm sure that there's going to be some of those cases. But you're going to have to decide that for yourself. Bottom line is you're going to have a different choice, it appears, in the next couple of weeks because it looks like Moderna is going to be approved along with Pfizer. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. I think I have a pretty good idea. You'll want to stick around.